Hi, welcome to No Small Talk, the Arkansas Times Arts and Entertainment Podcast. I'm Jacob Rosenberg. I'm here with Stephanie Smittle, our Arts and Entertainment Editor, and Omaya Jones. And each week we're here to break down um, Arkansas art and news and culture and other things, whatever we care about uh, and want to talk about. Uh, this week, most of our show is going to be devoted to Oscar talk. That's going to be the large portion right in the middle. But first up, as we do each and every week, we're going to talk about some Arkansas Times events. And we're going to actually dedicate a good amount of time for it because tonight, the night that we're recording, but last night, if you're listening to it, when the podcast actually comes up, is the beginning of the Musician Showcase. So, Stephanie, let's talk about the Musician Showcase. First of all, huge, big, broad breakdown. What is the Musician Showcase? Why is it incredible? What's happening tonight at Stickies? Yeah, so, well, well, the first cool thing is that it turns 26 this year, and any of you that know musicians, it's kind of hard for us to do anything for 26 years, so um, (laughs) go Arkansas Times Musician Showcase, and uh, the list of past champions includes uh, people from the Towncraft era days, Um, so the very first winner was Substance. Uh, bands after that, Ho Hum, Ashtray Babyhead, Big John Miller, and The Direction have all been winners. That's a great Runaway name. Planet, Hannah Blaylock and Eden's Edge, 607, Velvet Kente, Brother Andy and His Big Damn Mouth, Tyrannosaurus Chicken, and Daz and Bree. Those are just to name a few, but just to give you an idea sort of of the breadth of the type of music that's come through the showcase over the years. This year, in the 26th year, we got around 60 submissions. 55, I think, and narrowed those down to 19 bands. So there will be uh, three rounds of five bands each and then a final round of sort of returning bands from last year. Uh, all of those will compete to win their night, and each of the night's winners will advance to the finals, which are at Rev Room on Friday, March 9th. Uh, each of the semifinal rounds takes place at Sticky's Rock and Roll Chicken Jack, and it's every Thursday in February starting February 1st. So, listeners, by the time you listen to this, we will have crowned a champion for, or a semi-finalist uh, champion for the first round, mm-hmm. and they'll advance on, and we're gonna try to work in some speaking with those folks, as I understand. Yeah, so it's gonna be a little bit confusing. Stephanie and I drew up many a diagram to understand the best way to do this, but basically what's gonna happen is each week we're gonna be interviewing one of the musician Showcase judges who are great local artists, really interesting, and we'll get into who they are and and kind of why they're interesting. But each week in February, basically, this podcast will be talking about Musician Showcase, what happened maybe at the last show, what to look forward to in the next show, and then talking with the judges and and talking to them about what they do in town and why they're interesting. Um, So like I said, tonight's the first night, and so it'll be a really cool show, but if you're listening right now, you, you probably missed it. Uh, almost, I guarantee you missed it because there's no way that you could have seen it. But then next week, February 8th, next Thursday, is or is it February 7th? Is this second one? February 8th? 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 Thursday. Yeah, yeah Thursday. Right. So February 8th is the second show. And do you remember who's playing February 8th? So the lineup, the full lineup with each band on each night in the order that they're playing is on our blog, Rock Candy. But up first are Laith, Black River Pearl, the Rios, and Princeus. Initially, we had Route 358 as part of that lineup, and they have come down with the flu, so we're so sorry to oh, miss you, Route no. 358. A really uh, fantastic sort of bluegrassy uh, family band from up in northwest Arkansas. So we're sad to miss them this time around, and we, we hope to come back next year. And, um, yeah, until then, Laith, Black River Pearl, The Rios, and Princeus. Yeah, and so what we'll be doing each week is featuring a judge, and then also I'm going to go... And we've got like a kind of a list of five questions and we're gonna do it AV undercover style where each night the band can pick one of the questions out of the five, answer it, we'll record their answer, and then we'll bring it back to you the next week and put it on the podcast. So expect a lot of interesting stuff where we, in a sort of roundabout way, end up covering a lot of local musicians that we write about a lot, but maybe don't get that more just like fun coverage, less about asking them about what their sound is. Instead, we're gonna be asking them just to sort of talk to us and we're going to be featuring a little bit about the musician showcase giving you more behind the scenes kind of stuff as you because you know these are bands that you write about all the time in the A&E section I think right it'll be a good time and this is really the perfect opportunity if you're feeling kind of out of touch with the music scene here to catch up and sort of get a really like quick month-long 101 on what's going on and just hear some some up-and-coming bands and um so 
Jacob mentioned AV Undercover. If you don't know what that is, it's a series that The Onion does as part of their um, entertainment coverage, right? Where they bring yeah. in bands, they give them a list of uh, songs to cover, and then they have to pick from those. It's turned out some of the more interesting interpretations of covers probably that I've heard in the last few years, so it's worth checking out. Yeah. that We'll, we'll skip ahead. That's a recommendation. <laughs> you should check yeah, out AV definitely. Undercover. Um yeah, so it's going to be a great month, and it'll be a 101. You can, uh, I think I'll be there almost every night, and Stephanie will probably be there almost every night for the Musician Showcase. And it's basically a great way to just dip in and get a sampler platter of the Little Rock scene. I, I do want to go back. Do you feel like there are definitive scenes that, like, there have been like, okay, this was the Towncraft era. This was the, do you feel like there's a, you have a basic idea of, like, could you name the scene right now in Little Rock if you had to? Uh, People, people that were around for the Towncraft scene, I'll defer to them to describe it. But what I think was so interesting about that era in Little Rock is that with the lack of established venues or the lack of a, a big array of established venues, what musicians tended to do was just set up shop for themselves in pavilions in the river market, at people's houses. Uh, so really, in my opinion, was a time when um, musicians were forced to be not only inventive and resourceful, but also to collaborate with one another. And it resulted in a lot of bands sharing bills that didn't necessarily sound alike. And optimistically, I like to believe that that's happening today. I think definitely if you look at the lineup for the Musician Showcase and you listen from one band to the next, we've got definitely solidly metal bands in the showcase yeah. um some you know more sort of shoegaze stuff really blues influenced stuff you've got electronic music um so there's there's a really wide array and coming on any given night i think you're gonna get definitely a grab bag of sounds yeah i think it's hard to kind of define a scene like little rock because and especially now with i feel like there's one way of talking about music journalism in the past which was scenes were defined by a certain sound because the geography maybe isolated people even in cities it was kind of isolated like oh this is a scene happening here but now with the way that everything operates everyone's influenced not by the people around them but by the radio by who they hear on online it's kind of hard to define any scene in that way where there's like a certain it would be hard to say like there's a little rock sound you know like the little rock sound would be all these bands playing one after each other kind of like it's happening at the musician showcase i can't imagine sort of saying like this is what a typical little rock band sounds like you know at least that there's not a particular genre and i'm i'm really encouraged by that i think genre can be useful but it can also cause us to stay at home because a band is called this or that and we thought that maybe I don't like this or that like oh I don't like blues well if you want to break down blues that can include anything from like the Thursday night jams at the Whitewater during happy hour to bands like Dirty Streets but those are all very different sounds so I think it's exciting I think it's like it's a it's a cool thing when we break away from putting music into categories that that make it um, make us less curious about what those sounds are and make us less likely to inquire about would I enjoy this, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, basically, curiosity is, I think, something that's hard to come by. You can really get in your lane. Everyone can get in their lane, no matter what. And this is a good opportunity to just be like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that like Little Rock had three out-and-out great metal bands, like like wonderful metal bands. And, and so this is a good opportunity if like you're sort some of... Some would say more than three. Some would say maybe 10 to 20 great <laughs> metal bands. Um, so, you know, definitely come out. How much does it cost? Five bucks, I think, if you are under 21, it's eight. So there's so a don't be under 21. Don't Get be older. Under <laughs> Grow up. Um, so 8 p.m., Stickies, Rock and Roll, Chicken Shack, five or eight dollars if you're a child um, or above 18, but not above 21. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then go right into Oscar talk. Right, the name of the show is now Oscar talk with Jacob and Amaya. Yes, we're doing it. All right. So here's the plan. Amaya and I are going to do Oscar talk. We're going to use the most basic <laughs> template. We're going to go down the list of Oscar nominees, starting with our you know, the mundane stuff at the beginning. You're still eating sauce, all salsa and chips. You're barely paying attention. The, the TV's muted. And we're just going to go down and talk about each category, maybe make a loose prediction on who we think might win. I'm sure that'll end up being horribly embarrassing when we are 
and totally wrong, but we'll just use it as a tangent to jump off and talk about the films this year. And I just want to say up front, um, I did not see The Shape of Water. I did not see The Shape of Water. And here's the thing. I don't want to see The Shape of Water. I don't think I like The Shape of Water you know what? from think... afar. <laughs> from afar. I think we should we should save this for when we get the best picture. Well, let's let's save Shape of Water. Okay, let's start. What is the first category? And I'm sure I'm already bored by whatever this category is. Uh, so the first category is visual effects. We have Blade Runner 2049, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Kong Skull Island, Star Wars, Last Jedi, and War for the Planet of the Apes. And I will tell you, of these films, I have not seen War for the Planet of the Apes, and I've only seen a portion of Kong Skull Island. You uh, saw Kong Skull... You saw a portion of Kong Skull... I saw a portion of it. I feel bad for you. I, I feel bad for you that you saw a portion of Kong Skull Island. In theaters? No, on HBO. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's, on, it's on HBO now, so I saw about an hour... Uh, I'll finish it eventually. Uh, it was entertaining enough. I've heard it's actually pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm being dramatic here about the Kong Skull Island thing, but I, I did not see Kong Skull Island. Here's what I'll say. Visual effects is a weird category, mm-hmm. right? All right. We have cinematography, mm-hmm. and we then we have visual effects. Cinematography is a beautiful art form. If, let's let's be, you know, as stuck up as possible. Cinematography is this mm-hmm. wonderful thing. Some would define it as the entire point. Visual effects is really weird. Are, are we, like, grading it on how... Like, what is our... I'm going to tell you who I think is going to win. I okay. think Kong, I think Kong Skull Island will win. I'm, I'm betting on Blade Runner 2049. And I will tell you why. Okay, but I think Blade Runner 2049 is going to win the other one, cinematography, because it's so pretty, but it's not mm. actually... And I, we'll get into this later. I think Blade Runner 2049 is a perfect example of winning the Oscar for cinematography while basically being not that great cinematography. But uh, let's get to that later. All right. Well, my review would be that Blade Runner 2049 is an example of a, of a movie that they want to give an award to. Yeah. The visual effects is there. And if you look at the rest of the movies, like, I feel like it's sort of passe to give an award to ILM for Star Wars. And then Planet of the Apes, been there, done that. Same with Kong Skull Island, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's hard to... It might be the only thing is well. There's a there's actually a second superhero movie that's nominated for an award, but we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. Um, I just feel like Blade Runner twenty forty nine is the movie. This is the most prestigious movie on the list, and they might will want to give it an award. Okay, that is a perfect Oscar read. Yeah. That is probably the right Oscar read. Here's my reason for Kong Skull Island. I also eliminated Guardian of the Galaxy because they've done it's like it's too old fashioned. Mm-hmm. I eliminated Star Wars because I personally thought the visual effects in Star Wars were good but also not great like like i i wasn't into the cgi of people and stuff it looked like fake they looked like not real people to me like it wasn't good um and also i think that just people don't want to give star wars an award i I don't know why but i feel confident in that and so the reason i said kong skull island basically my idea was there's a giant uh there's a there's a kong skull island spoiler alert involves a giant uh Kong involves a giant monkey so like it would be hard to make that and so that was my reasoning for giving it to it feels like a very insidery movie but I think the right answer is probably Blade Runner 2049 yeah I feel like that's a quality over quantity art this uh, debate versus uh, Kong and War for the Planet of the Apes lots of smaller apes versus one large one yes so, so I mean the real backlash to me would be if War of the Planet of the Apes won, mm-hmm. and then it was like it was proven outright that Apes was the right call, but I picked mm-hmm. the wrong ape. Uh, I would be very, very mad if that happens. Please see me, you know, angry in the streets. I'll be running out there, just horrified, yelling. All right, we've already spent so much too much time on visual <laughs> effects. Please, what's the next one? Uh, next one's costume design. Oh God! So we got. <laughs> oh no. Beauty and the Beast, Darkest Hour, Phantom Thread, The Shape of Water, Victoria, and Abdul. I will tell you, I have not seen Darkest Hour, Beauty and the Beast. In fact, I've seen Phantom Thread and The Shape of Water. Well, um, how did Phantom Thread get? Is it is it also um, for costume design? Costume design. It's yeah. not makeup, or is it makeup and costume design? This is makeup and hair is a separate category with three uh, nominees. Okay, costume design. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Mm. I'm gonna just say my guess. Uh huh. And then immediately move on. Okay. I'm saying Phantom Thread because that's my favorite movie on that list, and I don't know if that's accurate. I'm, but you know, probably like Shape of Water or something like that'll win. Mm, you know what? I wanted to say Phantom Thread, but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm gonna go with Shape of Water just because I feel like it'll give them a chance to give that movie an award. Yeah. Um. And hopefully, Phantom Thread will win something else. I just want to say, by the way, this is a perfect example of how. 
when you read the New York Times article or the Hollywood Reporter article the next day and it says Shape of Water won five Oscars or Shape of Water, like now you're reading, like was nominated for the most Oscars. That does not mean it was the best movie of the year. (laughs) And even if it wins best film, that does not mean it was the best movie. That means it involved the most working parts that are awarded in the Oscar category. So I just want to point out that it's always a weird thing that I think people fixate on too much. Maybe it's just, maybe no one actually fixates on it, but that is always a weird thing. All right, what's the next one? Is the next one Hair and Makeup? Next one's Hair and Makeup. We have three nominees, that, uh, and I haven't seen any of these films. Okay. Uh, Darkest Hour, Victoria, and Abdul, and Wonder. Okay. Wonder, I did not see and I have no interest in seeing, so mm-hmm. I can't comment on it. Victoria and Abdul looked abhorrent. It was like, it was a... Uh, her walking around with like a print it was like a prince and the queen mm-hmm. of england or something like that oh right like he's a, he's a, a um he's indian and he comes to be friends with the queen it's like during the partition i think right yeah or, or, okay. i could be getting this horribly wrong either way don't care there's no way darkest hour doesn't win right for makeup because yeah, gary, sure, oldman, gary oldman yeah if you haven't seen darkest hour here's what darkest hour is gary oldman looks like winston churchill and everyone's freaking out about it and yeah. he does a really good job making himself look like Winston Churchill, but also the makeup's incredible, and he actually looks like Winston Churchill. So if that doesn't win, I'd be – I think that's, like, your lock. If you're right. a gambler, like, bet on makeup for um, – unless Shape of Water is nominated. I could see it Shape of Water. Okay. So there are only three nominees for this category. Okay, so Darkest Hour, I think, runs away with that. Uh, so next up, we have Original Song. Oh, God, we're in the dregs. <laughs> like, we are. <laughs> you know, uh, so, I mean – it's a bunch of songs that honestly uh, I have not heard. Okay. So we've got Mighty River from Mud da- Mudbound by Mary J. Blige. Mystery of Love from Call Me By Your Name by Sufjan Stevens. No, boo. <laughs> Remember Me from Coco. Um, Stand Up for Something from Marshall. Um, and then This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to guess that the Coke that Coco's gonna win. Yeah, they sure. wanna give Coco an award and yeah. I think that um later on I don't think Coco is gonna win best animated potentially. And right. so I think that people love Pixar movies. So Coco, which Cocar is a Pixar movie, right. I think they'll win that award. Right. So then uh Do, I'll we, give it to Sufon Stevens just because Oh uh, God. Because I'm picking somebody. Have you seen Call Me By Your Name yet? Not yet. Okay. This is not a huge Call Me By Your Name spoiler, and I don't know if I said this on the podcast before. Call Me By Your Name has one of the most disorienting song drops of all time. <laughs> like, it's about, it's a good portion into the movie, and there's been no music that would, has lyrics. Mm-hmm. It's a period film, right? It's a period film. Right, okay. And then, in the middle, a Sooth John Stevens song drops during a dramatic I don't think this is a spoiler to say there's a portion where a young man is contemplating life in the darkness. Mm. I don't think that's a spoiler. A Suit John Stevens song drops during that point, and I laughed out loud what had happened because it's Suit John Stevens. It's so funny. Like, so is, is this song, it's not diegetic, right? Like, no, it's not, no, no. Okay. It's not in the context of the film. It's, yeah. it, it's a Suit John Stevens song, drops from outside the film, and all you can think, and it's a breathy Suit John Stevens song. Mm. He's like, He's, he's all Suit Johnny. You know, it's not peak. It's weird Suit John, and it drops in the middle in a very dramatic scene, and it was the only bad part of Call Me By Your Name. So if that wins, I think that's that's bad. Okay. That is my hottest take. That's my hot take. Suit John Stevens song, bad at Call Me By Your Name. I've got some hot takes coming up. Okay, wow. We're getting to uh, it. <laughs> uh, so next, original score, uh, Dunkirk, Hans Zimmer, Phantom Thread, Johnny Greenwood, which is going to be my pick. Yeah. The Shape of Water uh, by Alexandra Desplat. Uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi by John Williams and Three Billboards uh, Carter Burwell I've decided to um, I'm going to start doing two okay. I believe Phantom Thread's the best score Okay I think Dunkirk's gonna win What do you think? I don't remember the score from Dunkirk there, I remember there's a lot of ticking clocks I, I think that's what it is right? Because yeah. with uh, Christopher Nolan and Hans Zimmer there's a lot of these sort of like stretching time and using the music to stretch time Yeah And it's sort of I feel like it's overdone I mean, my thing is, I'm not a huge Christopher Nolan fan, so it's hard for me to access loving Christopher Nolan scores. Mm -hmm. And also, Hans Zimmer scores are completely connected for me with the the annoying people in college telling me that they study to the Batman Begins or Batman Mm -hmm. Dark Knight threads because it gets them so pumped up to study. 
which was my least favorite thing that people talked about all the time. And so, I do not like Hans Zimmer scores. Yeah. But I think that people love Hans Zimmer scores. And I think that if I was objective and it wasn't connected with the weird experience, I would say that Hans Zimmer was a great... You know, it's yeah. very odd. Like, you, how, how many people... If you go up and randomly say Hans Zimmer, know who he is. That's crazy for a composer. Like a lot of people know who Hans Zimmer is. That's a big deal. He wrote a good score. It's with the guy. It's like with Hans Zimmer is like the closest we have to an author director muse kind of thing going on at this point, right? Um, maybe you know. I don't know how I feel about Hans Zimmer. I, I, I want to recommend that people look up um, a video essayist named Tony Zhou. T H O U. Uh, he used to do uh, a video uh, essay series called Every Frame of Painting. And he did one on the scores for superhero movies, and he talks about how sort of Hans Zimmer sort of changed um, the way a lot of scores are done. Yeah. Uh, and how he sort of uses computers in ways that they weren't done used before yeah. to compose. And it, it's not as, not as melodic as like a John Williams. You don't really run around humming yeah. Hans Zimmer themes. So I think that something important to point out about this too is that I'm tired of Hans Zimmer yeah. scores, but that's also because Hans Zimmer completely revolutionized scoring, dramatic, big budget, action-y kind of yeah. films. And so it's, it's fa- I think that, I don't know if he's, I'm sure he's won before. He's got to have won this before. But he's totally deserving if he does win this. I thought the, fan- the Phantom Thread score haunts me, yeah. as does the entire film. We'll get into this later, but it's just, I, I think that's what I would choose, but, you know, it's always subjective. Um, let's see. I'm looking at some of these categories coming up, and I'm thinking we might be better off skipping some of this. Okay, stuff. just read the category, and we'll tell you why we're, and we'll just tell you we're skipping. Uh, production design might be worth talking about. Um, Beauty and the Beast, Blade Runner 2049, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, The Shape of Water. Let's just. I'm just gonna say Shape of Water. I'm gonna say Shape of Water, if only because we're talking about a film that was filmed with a 20 million dollar budget. It was like 100 million. Okay, agreed, 100. Okay. Uh, sound mixing, might want to skip it. Let's skip sound mixing. Okay, sound editing. We're definitely skipping sound editing. Uh, the only thing I would say How about, ironic to skip sound editing and mixing on the podcast, like, just to prove that. Then. Well, I think these categories are illegitimate anyway because I don't see Phantom Thread listed on either of these. Yeah. Um, and there, if you've seen Phantom Thread, um, you'll, you'll never think of buttering toast the same way again. Oh, my God. Yeah. Could not agree more. So, all right. Uh, if you haven't seen Phantom Thread, go see Phantom Thread, and then we'll we'll DM us yes. directly about buttering toast. Uh, let's see here. Film editing. All right. Definitely talk about this one. Okay. Baby Driver, Dunkirk, I, Tonya, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards. Now, I have not seen Three Billboards okay. or I, Tonya yet. Okay. I'm going on record mm-hmm. about this simple fact. Read the nominees once again from the beginning. Baby Driver. No. Baby Driver is not well edited. It's going to win this category, but it is not well edited. It is... Everyone's like, the editing's the best. They did it to music. Everyone edits to music. That's the point. What are you talking about? I do not believe that Baby Honestly, Driver is good. Honestly, cutting to music, I feel like it's probably the easiest thing to do. It, I could not agree more. Baby Driver was not good. We were in a down period. We thought... Baby Driver was the movie that came to us when we were like, we were sick in bed and we needed care and tender attention and Baby Driver was there for us because we were desperate but looking back it wasn't that good and the editing wasn't that good and it wasn't even that exciting like the cutting on music wasn't even that exciting and so I'm going on record Baby Driver is going to win this and it shouldn't I don't even know what should win it but it's going to make me mad when it does win it and I'm going to be a cranky old man even though I'm like very young and say that it wasn't that good (laughs) I may have an opinion on this after I see I, Tonya. Um, right now, I would probably say... I guess I would default to Dunkirk. I'm fine with Dunkirk. Yeah. I'm fine with Dunkirk. I'm fine with I, Tonya because I think I, Tonya was a good movie. Not great. It had its problems. Mm-hmm. And it deserves a little nod. I would yeah. like like a nice like little I, Tonya nod of some sort. Um, let's see. Best foreign language film. Okay, here's here's where we're getting to the good stuff. Right, so here are, uh, there's also five films I haven't seen. These are all movies that I probably have not seen, and I bet you that they're all great and we should probably go yeah. see them. But the foreign film category, by the way, before we even go into this, mm-hmm. is really weird. Because you can, right. like, not, from my understanding, like, you can nominate, like, one from one country or something, right? right? Like, I think that, like, countries typically have, like, a board, right? That yeah. That nominates a film. And, from. I, and I don't know if you know about this, but boards assigned mm-hmm. to a country to nominate one thing. 
slightly corrupt. Like, look forward to the Olympics as well. But, like, so, so there's some corruption in some countries and what gets nominated and what doesn't get nominated. So Right, and it's odd because I, I, I will say this. Um, there are two films I can think of, and I think they won... So Lena Wertmuller, a director uh, whose film Love and Anarchy we showed last um, year as part of the film series... Yeah. She was the first woman nominated for Best Director for Academy Award for her film Seven... No. Uh, it was either Seven Beauties or The Seduction of Mimi. Yeah. And um, But she wasn't nominated. It wasn't like a foreign category. It was just like she was just nominated for Best Director. Oh, yeah. I guess that's that might weird. Be different. And then Hiroshi Tashikahara's uh, film Woman of the Dunes, I think, was also nominated for like Best Director or something. So it's like oh, this weird. weird thing where like... It must be about like when it's... Re- how it's released in America. If it's maybe, like released in enough theaters... Yeah, or something like that. I'm sure. I guess it's possible. I'm also conflating like best director and best foreign film and all these different things. But so it seems like foreign films though can be nominated for like best picture or best director. Yeah, I'm not sure the rules. Yeah, we're we're not rule followers. We're you know we're rebels out here. So who's who's nominated in this category? Uh, A fantastic woman from Chile, the uh, the insult from Lebanon, Loveless from Russia, on body and soul from Hungary, and the Square from Sweden. I've seen parts of the Square. It was okay. good. All these sound great to me. Yeah. I would I would go. I I read the descriptions for all of them. I haven't seen them yet. Honestly, you know, in the future, I'm not promising we'll do this, but it would be really fun to watch all the foreign film categories and try oh, yeah. to actually choose which one's the best out of it. And um, I think that usually what's, what's usually true is that the foreign ones are a little bit more heavy than yeah. American films. And that's for better or for worse, but... I think that these are going to be good. And the one from Chile looked really good. So we'll watch them and we'll get back to you on what we kind of think should win in that category. Um, so the next couple of categories are ones I'm going to guess we're not that familiar with. They're okay. Best action, best live action short and best documentary short. We're going to skip those. <laughs> okay. Uh, the only thing I would say is on those and also animated shorts, typically um, in February or March before the Oscars, uh, theaters like the Rave will do a thing where they will actually screen as a block those Oscar nominated oh, yeah. films. So if that happens, out, yeah. if that happens, we'll go and yeah. we'll talk. And then the other thing is, I think we should have mentioned this earlier, but are, aren't some theaters like screening all the Oscar nominees or something? Well, I know. I think it's AMC Theaters has a package where for thirty five dollars you can see all of the films nominated for Best Picture. Okay. Over the course of a month or so leading up to the Oscars. That's a great deal. So thirty five dollars mm-hmm. for all the Best Picture nominees mm-hmm. should definitely so like that. eight or nine films. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great deal. Yeah. Um, best documentary feature. Okay, we can do this. Abacus, small enough to jail. Not seen it. Faces places. Not seen it. Icarus. Seen it. Last minute in Aleppo. Haven't seen it. And Strong Island. Desperately want to see it. Okay. I'm going to pick Icarus because I've heard I saw Icarus it is fantastic Mm -hmm. it is a great great movie and it is really interesting and important and it is caused national media attention you know the Olympics are fundamentally changed because of this film so I think that's an incredible thing I haven't seen these other movies so I I can't comment too much on them I will say what was the last nominee again Strong Island that's an incredible name it is about Long Island um, from my understanding I have a friend who lifts weights often and refuses to call Long Island anything but Strong Island. So a kudo, a shout out to whatever Strong Island is about. I believe it is about something horrific mm-hmm. and awful um, and someone showing strength in spite of that. But I will just say that Icarus would be my choice out of those because it's gotten a lot of media attention as well. Uh, I always say that documentary is a blind spot for me. and This is no different. Um if I were an Academy voter, and I this happens often, I think in some of these categories where they vote without having actually seen things. Yes. Um, I would go Faces Places just because I don't know if Agnes Varda has a Academy Award or not. Oh, really? I'm not sure. Um, she may. Okay. As far as I, sorry, I'm not. I'm not. I just don't know. We were just I talking just, about Agnes Varda. Yeah. So, I mean, before the podcast, you should go check out Cleo Five yeah. Seven, which we screened last year. Yeah. Our, oh. uh, no, maybe we, that was 2016. We screened that. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's in real time Agnes Varda is you know one of the most important directors that has ever been around right, so. so now we're getting into some of the bigger categories so we're cin- getting into the meat of it it only took like 20 minutes <laughs> uh, so cinematography okay here we go Blade Runner 2049 Darkest Hour Dunkirk Mudbound and The Shape of Water I will just say 
this is my list of about five movies that I thought were all Oscar-y, mm-hmm. and also I didn't particularly love any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, out of that list, I think Blade Runner 2049 will win. And here's my reasoning. Yes. And I could see Shape of Water winning too. But here's my reasoning on Blade Runner 2049. Everyone talked about how Blade Runner 2049 is pretty. Mm-hmm. But that it didn't work for whatever reason, for all the many reasons it didn't work. That to me screams Oscar cinematography win. And so that is what I'm thinking is going to happen here. Because it was a beautiful film. Now, I will say that I wish the cinematography category was more understanding and more oriented towards does the cinematography of this film fundamentally say something a lot of times it feels like they just choose whatever's prettiest and so that is why i will choose blade runner 2049 with a you know with like a little side bet on the shape of water but for example i thought the cinematography in a lot of movies this year was excellent but it wasn't showy and so it's hard to kind of know it's hard to it's easy to know that what will win the oscar to a certain extent but i don't think that's always the right choice so that that is my little caveat from my unexperienced perspective on uh what cinematography should sound like should win whatever but i think blade runner what do you think um i'm going to go with blade runner for a different reason um Roger Deakins shot one of those beautiful films I've ever seen, and to my knowledge, he has not won. He did not win an Oscar for it. Really? And it was the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. He didn't win an Oscar for did that. He? Oh, I I don't know. I don't know. I should check this. We had to. We had to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that would be. I was trying to look that up while you were speaking. Um, but to me, like that. I think, was he nominated? He might have just been nominated. Either way, yes. he's a deserving cinematographer to win overall. And, and maybe we should just break this down because I think, I don't know, if you're this deep into this podcast, yeah. maybe you already know this, but like cinematography is a very weird thing because mm-hmm. what it is, it's like the director ultimately decides cinematography in a lot of ways, right? But at the same time, there's a cinematographer whose like job it is to literally light the shots and figure all the cinematography of it out. So it's like, it's always weird. I think people, I associate directors with lining up shots, thinking about the lighting, thinking about the the tone and look of the film. But I think some people think of directors as more actor coaching kind of directors. And I th- they're both, right? But in my mind, I associate directors more with the former. Whereas I think a lot of people maybe associate them more with acting. So cinematography is always a weird award yeah. to, kind of, to kind of give someone because it's like, and I think maybe this goes back against what I said earlier, but maybe that's why someone like Blade Runner 20... That's why a film like Blade Runner 2049 is important because even though it doesn't work as well, I think, with like understanding mm-hmm. of the film, it is literally executed beautifully. And so that's what he did. He executed something incredibly beautifully as a cinematographer. So I think right. it's a deserving win at um, the end of the day. Do, have we figured out if he, if he shot the other one? Oh, I knew he shot it. Yeah. I think one for it. Uh, I want I want to read a list of films Roger Deakins has been nominated for for Academy Awards, either in best cinematography or best achievement in cinematography. Yeah. And he's not won for. Okay. Fargo. Oh wow. Kundun. Um. Oh brother, where art thou? The assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Uh, no country for old men. Shawshank Redemption. The man who wasn't there. True Grit. Skyfall, Prisoners, Unbroken, Sicario, uh, and well, he's been nominated for Blade Runner. We'll see what happens. He he was uh, the new True Grit, the one with the, yes, yes, yeah. the Coen Brothers True Grit. Yeah, yeah it'd um, be incredible if he was nominated for the <laughs> yes. old one. Um, All so, right, so I, I think that's a, that's also that's a double Oscar whammy in that mm-hmm. it is it fits the category of kind of how we define the 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 way it wins, and then also. Oscars love giving the award to mm-hmm. someone who's nominated constantly but never won it for right. whatever reason. All right. So next category is original screenplay. We have The Big Sick, Get Out, Lady Bird, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards. Right. So I will say my theory on um, original screenplay, mm-hmm. both screenplay categories, these are awards for films that should win 
something else, <laughs> but they can't figure out how to make it work. Right. Okay. Here's um, my guess. Go for it. In my opinion, what should win this mm-hmm. is Get Out. Mm-hmm. And what will win this is Get Out. But it'll be a tainted win because it'll be because Get Out's going to lose Best Picture. That is why I believe happens here. My my runner-up theory mm-hmm. is that in a horrible, horrible situation, Get Out wins no awards and the Big Sick wins here. Um, Because voting, Academy Award voters, is secret, secret ballot, right? Secret. So you could be people have you could have people making that calculus and not realize that by doing so they're you know cutting the legs out from under another movie or something. Exactly. Um, what do you think, Sylvan? I think your rationale is good. And one of the things about Get Out that people talked a lot about was the tightness of the script, and especially for, uh, well, this is directorial debut in terms of features, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the script, yeah, I, I think it should probably win for best original screenplay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's deserving, but I think what will happen is people will fill out the ballot, they'll look down and realize that Get Out didn't win anything on their ballot, and they'll go back and change whatever screenplay is to make it win, even though right. they should just yeah. be more honest about it winning potentially yeah. down the line. Right. So I think that's, that's why I, I kind of think it could win there. Okay. So next is adapted screenplay, which I think is interesting. Um, so you got Call Me By Your Name, The Disaster Artist, Logan, Molly's Game, and Mudbound. And what I think is interesting is that you've got Logan, which is a superhero movie. Yeah. But it's a superhero movie that it takes itself seriously, but not to the point that it uh, seems like it's embarrassed by its source material. Yeah. And then I think Mudbound is interesting because it, uh, this is the second time it's come up. And it's a Netflix movie. It didn't get a theatrical distribution. I think it only, only to the extent that it will qualify for an Academy Award. Yeah. So like a week or whatever in New York and L.A. Um, and a lot of the talk has been about how it's been shut out from other categories because and part of its association with Netflix. And, and I think that it's really interesting because mm-hmm. Mudbound is a film that I think would be getting some of that potential praise and backlash for not being nominated for more things because it is a movie mm-hmm. for and about black people. And that's mm-hmm. that's consistently you know Oscar so white all these discussions would be around them getting shut out for that but we're living in some weird world where most of the discussion about Mudbound is about the fact that it was on Netflix and it's getting right. shut out for that it's a well, weird but, I mean part of that though is so, uh, like at Cannes they announced you know last year that Netflix films or films that didn't get theatrical distribution were not going to be eligible for certain awards yeah so there is this sort of uh, discussion in the film community in the, about Netflix effect in the marketplace and how does that fill up how, how does that affect the actual distribution going forward and things and I, I can be honest Mudbound did not resonate with me as much as I wanted it to and I think part of it is I didn't see it in theaters like yeah. I was pausing it I was eating dinner like it wasn't the same thing um, in this category I think Call Me By Your Name mm-hmm. I think this is where you slot in Call Me By Your Name yeah. it is a wonderfully written script it is beautiful it's longer it is one of the few films which I could say felt like it earned its length like, it was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be when I was sitting in the theater. And I was super glad. Like, about an hour and a half in, I was like, oh, why are we? St- why is this film still going? I thought it would kind of end here. And it keeps going and going up to its length. And it really earns that length, and it feels nice. It's a hard script to adapt. This is a novel about two men falling in love. In a vi- it's a very novely like idea, these two men falling in love in Italy. So I, I think Call Me By Your Name wins there. Um I can see arguments for all of them. I don't have a strong favorite or idea about what's going to win here, though. Yeah, I would think Logan is like a dark horse candidate, but yeah. it's hard to see it winning just because of the subject matter. Yeah, but I, I, Logan is wonderfully written. Yeah. It's a great, it's really well written. And Logan, you know, I think there's two sort of interesting things about that, winning for best writing. One is it's a superhero movie, mm-hmm. but two, it's it's a film noir. Like, it'd, yeah. be, it'd be pretty interesting to see Hollywood be like, yeah, we love a great genre film noir written yeah. that well. A detective story, basically. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. I, I don't have a good grasp on what's going to win there. Do you know? Kind of. Do you feel like there's a favorite in that category? I don't know. Um, it's funny you say film noir. I think of Logan as a Western. Interesting, um, really. Well, you know, there are all the references to Shane. And yeah. There's a, there's a lot of... Um, You know, the character of Wolverine has always been this sort of Western 
type character. He's a bit of a loner. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go into a tangent on. Yeah, we should, we should not get. We should not get. All right, yeah. we almost got swept yeah. into Wolverine. Oscar talk. Oscar talk. Oscar talk. All right, what's the next one? Uh, animated short. Okay, please, we got to skip this one unless there's something urgent in here. Uh, only thing I think is interesting is uh, I don't know what the if there'd be some sort of equivalent of an EGOT, but Kobe Bryant is nominated for Dear Basketball. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. So I, I would wonder if he, um, like, he's got NBA titles, he would get this, and I don't know what else he can win. Yeah, we need to come up spell something. Yeah, we need to come up with an abbreviation for everything that Kobe Bryant can win. So next we have animated feature. Yeah, The Boss Baby, The Breadwinner, Coco, Ferdinand, and Loving Vincent. I'm gonna give it to Loving Vincent, Mm -hmm. just because I haven't seen Loving Vincent, um, but it seems like it was. It's got some buzz. It seemed like a good movie. Now I've heard Coco is great. Uh Here's the thing about Coco. How many? How often are people tired yet of Pixar winning everything in the animated categories? I'm tired of it, so I'm wondering if other people are tired. Do you think that's like the equivalent of like ILM and, and uh, effects categories? Yeah, exactly. So kind of like people are like, right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. like at a certain point, it's like we get it. Like, at what point is doing something, executing something really well that you've done a hundred times mm-hmm. impressive? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And loving Vincent feels to me adventurous, and it feels different, and I'm wondering. What am I saying? Of course Coco's going to win that. I'm, I've just explained to you exactly why Coco's going to win. I'm sorry, yeah. but yeah. And that's why I would think that Loving Vincent has a chance here. Uh, I think the winner's going to be Boss Baby. Boss Baby? Full disclosure, I have not seen any of these films. Boss Baby? Yeah, sure, why not? Okay, Boss Baby. Are we keeping score? Yeah, we're not keeping score. We should. Okay. Well, I'll go back and listen to this, and then I'll write out what happened, and when we'll come back and... We should let the listeners do that. Yeah, of course, listeners. Yes. Our... All the listeners, go back and write down what we each voted for and tell us who won. All right, so now the big categories. The big categories. First, best director. We've got Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan, Get Out, Jordan Peele, Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig, Phantom Thread, Paul Thomas Anderson, and The Shape of Water, uh, Guillermo del Toro. Okay. This is a fascinating category. Mm -hmm. Best director and best picture are hard to differentiate for me. Because fundamentally, what is the director's job? It's to create mm-hmm. the best movie. So I think also the secondary thing about best director is you put it in the, what you imagined they were capable of as a director. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the fact that Paul Thomas Anderson created one of the best movies I've seen in the last five years in Phantom Thread is not surprising because the other one of the other best movies I've seen in the last ten years was... There Will Be Blood and also Boogie Nights and also everything else that Paul Thomas Anderson directed. Mm-hmm. Same with Guillermo del Toro. It's not surprising to me that he made Shape of Water because I loved Pan's Labyrinth and it's a similar thing. So for that reason, and I and, and the reason I'm talking about it in these terms is because Best Director is a category where you award a person right. for an overall film's performance. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're doing when you vote on that is you're you're scoring it based off what you thought that person was capable of. And so that's why I think Jordan Peele wins for Get Out here. He did an incredible job directing. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve to win Best Director. I'm just saying that's also why I think that he wins it. If I had to just like abstractly say, I think I'd say Paul Thomas Anderson won. And there's a potential bet for him there because he hasn't been awarded Best Director and he's basically the best American director that we might have living right now. But I think that Jordan Peele did something that no one imagined he could do. And he did it incredibly well on a small budget. And if we're talking about putting an idea into action, which is fundamentally what a filmmaker does as a director, taking this abstract idea and making it possible, everyone imagined that Paul Thomas Anderson could make something with Phantom Thread. No one imagined that Jordan Peele could do what right. everything that he's done would get out. And so I think you, you give him best director there. What do you think? Do you think Oscar voters take budget into account? They got it, right? That, that's the whole thing is that they're industry insiders, and it's incredible what he does with that budget. Right. Because I'm thinking going back, you know, The Shape of Water, $20 million budget. Yeah. But you're right about Get Out, and um, I, I think I want Phantom Thread to win, yeah. but I think it's a bit too weird. I, I've been talking with other people about Phantom Thread, and it's hard because this yeah. we could rename the this Oscar podcast the Phantom Thread podcast. Like, right. I'm all in on Phantom Thread. It is what I desperately wanted in a film, and I think it, it succeeds across the board. And so... For me, I kind of want it to win too, but I've talked with other people about it, 
and people other people have not connected with it in right. the same way that I have and other people don't talk about it with the same reverence that I talk about it so that might be a, a me thing I, I really like the themes yeah. that are going on there and I like what he does there it's also from that wax buzz yeah you know, and it's not it, it came out real late in the year yeah um, but it's getting a lot of buzz now I mean it got a, like we should kind of say and we, I was going to sort of edge this towards the end Phantom Thread was not supposed to be nominated for as many Oscars as it was. Right. It was a surprise it was nominated for as many Oscars as mm-hmm. it was. And so it sort of had a little bit of a late surge. But it's right. not getting the same kind of buzz yeah. that, like, Call Me By Your Name, before it even hit theaters, everyone's like, this is this is what it's going to be, you know. This is going to really be the one. This has got to be a race between Get Out and Lady Bird. We didn't talk about Greta Gerwig in Lady Bird. And for me, Lady Bird... We'll get to this in a second. That's an acting movie. Mm-hmm. She does a great job directing them as actors. And I, I think she could also sneak in and get screenplay as well. Mm-hmm. That's another one. But it, for me, it's not like a movie where I'm like, director did something incredible. But maybe I'm, I could be totally off base there. Yeah. I think about it as an acting movie, but I don't I know what that means. Worth pointing out here is Gerwig is the fifth woman to be nominated for Best Director. Yeah. It's paltry. It's, it's pretty pathetic. Um, so like Lena Wertmuller... Catherine Bigelow. One, uh, Catherine Bigelow, uh, Jane Campion for the piano, oh, really? and then, um, oh man, I knew this. Oh I man, you're, you're, either way, Greta Gerwig is yeah. totally deserving of this, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Everyone in this category is pretty deserving, I would say, of the Oscar nominate, or of the, of the win. It's sort of about your preference at a certain point, and what you think a director does, like I said. And so that's why... When I'm tra- when I define what a director does in my abstracted mm-hmm. understanding, I think Jordan Peele did the most impressively this year. But if you think, if you're thinking about like who got, mm-hmm. I mean, Greta Gerwig got a lot out of her script from their act, those actors. Right. And if you think about a director more in those terms, I can totally see her deservedly winning. I didn't. I when I was watching that movie, I didn't think too much about the shots. Like they weren't. I didn't feel yeah. like they were doing a lot. Like the filming of it wasn't doing a lot to me. It felt like you know you're setting up. You're setting up mm-hmm. rooms for people to move around in kind of thing. It didn't feel to me like the camera was doing a lot. But, but the actors are doing a lot. But the actors are doing a lot. Yeah. So maybe the camera shouldn't be doing a lot there, too. So, okay. I don't know. Um, so, wait, do we, so we made our predictions. My prediction is, Jordan Peele, did you... I'll go with Get Out. You'd go with Get Out as well? Yeah. All right. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll... Oh, he's, he's faltering. <laughs> he's faltering. <laughs> Who won last year? Who won last year? Uh, I'm trying to think who won last year. I actually don't know. Okay. Uh, I'll go with still with Get Out. Let's go with Get Out. Um, supporting actress. I'm changing it to Lady Bird. You're changing to Lady Bird. Last second. <laughs> yeah. All right. I've got, you've got Lady Bird. I've got Get Out. Greta Gerwig, Lady Bird. Supporting actress. Mary J. Blige for, for Mudlown. Allison Janney for I, Tonya. Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread. Laurie, uh, yeah, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. And Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water. I will say I think it should go to Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread. Okay. I mean, we're all on a phantom thread, and yes. I want to agree with you, but also I'm going to disagree simply to be not the worst person ever and say, can you re- Mary J. Blige was good in Mudbound. She was really good in Mudbound, and it was a surprisingly good performance. And so I, I think that you got to give Mudbound something. So I, I think that that's a, okay. that's a that's a good one. And it was uh, La La Land last year, won Best Director. Okay, yeah. And the year before that was The Revenant. So... That does affect my opinion, but I'm not going to change it. Okay, don't change it. Uh, supporting actor, Willem Dafoe for The Florida Project, which he should win. Yeah. Because I think this is the only thing The Florida Project has been nominated for. I'm going to agree with you 100%. The Florida Project should have been nominated mm-hmm. at the level that Phantom Thread was nominated. It's the second. Yeah. I mean, actually, it's for me, it was Get Out, Phantom Thread, and Florida Project are all in a great category of films I really love this year. And Willem Dafoe was, was fabulous in it. All right, so the other nominees for supporting actor Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards, Richard Jenkins uh, for The Shape of Water, Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World, Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards. Christopher Plummer. That's a great, that's a great, great question is what we should think about Christopher Plummer in this one. Right, like coming in last minute. Yeah, we should explain A nine-day shoot. Yeah. So yeah, so originally that role was filled by Kevin Spacey and there was a scandal they decided to reshoot, and supposedly Ridley Scott wanted to cast Christopher Plummer in the first place anyway. So he was just an excuse to get the actor that he wanted in the first place, but the studio wanted a bigger name. Which is crazy because that just proves how messed up Hollywood is, that you can't, right. like, Ridley Scott can't just mm-hmm. choose who he wants to be in a movie. Like, he has to put Kevin Spacey in there instead of Christopher... 
anyways. And Kevin Spacey was like doing his own version of playing Winston Churchill. He had all the makeup yeah. on. He was gonna look old. Instead, they just got an actual old person, Christopher Plummer, to do right. it. Right. Uh, Academy Award winner Richard. Uh, yeah. Christopher, Christopher Plummer. Plummer. I said Richard Plummer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and so like come in, shoot for nine days, and you get yourself an, another Academy Award nomination. Yeah, and I hadn't seen all the money in the world. There's a lot of controversy from the Kevin Spacey thing to uh-huh. the fact that, you know, now it came out that Mark Wahlberg was definitively a, not like a bad person, but his agent renegotiated right. a, a deal. And it, it's all complicated. If you're interested in it, go check it out. All the money in the world looks semi-interesting, not great. But the fact that Christopher Plummer basically puts in a, a leading man performance and like, or like not a leading man, but like, you know, one of main characters performance in nine days on a reshoot, it's incredible. So... I think he's just over there. All right. Um, did I pick one? I don't know if you did. Yeah. So we we'll, both did. We'll, 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 we're both right. on William Defoe. All right. Uh, lead actress: Sally Hawkins, The Shape of Water; Frances McDormand, Three Billboards; Margot Robbie, I Tanya; uh, Sayuri's Ronan. Did I pronounce her, her name right? Close enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, Lady Bird and Meryl Streep for The Post. Um, you want to go first? I I'm gonna divide up my answers. I think that who was the first person you said on the list again Sally Hawkins for The Shape of Water alright I I think that Frances McDormand will win for three billboards Mm -hmm. I don't know how to feel about that because I think she does a heck of a job in that movie and she's doing a very effective job for a movie that I feel isn't great and also it's weird and I don't know how I feel about three billboards all I know is it's overhyped so Frances McDormand kills that role. She's a great job. So I think she's going to win because Three Billboards has to kind of win something, and she's wonderful. It? it has to win something not because it deserves it, but because of the machine that we're working under. Okay. In that it won the Best Picture for the Golden Globes. Okay. Now, so I think Three Billboards and Frances McDormand's going to win that. When I'm thinking about who should win that, Lady Bird. I think right. Lady Bird should win that. She's so good in that movie, and. She has the strongest Irish accent I've ever heard in my life, and I didn't know it until after I saw the movie and I watched an interview with her. Like, she does such a good job, and it's totally different from who she is when you watch interviews of her, and you think it's just like, oh, yeah, she paid someone who's basically herself. No, she really didn't, Mm -hmm. and so I think that, you know, she's deserving, and that's who I'd give it to. That's probably who's going to win it, Um, series run-in, but I would would pick Sally Hawkins for uh... Shape of Water. Well, obviously she's nominated for The Shape of Water, but it's really because she wasn't happy-go-lucky. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> well, that's how, just a, that's just, how I vote. Yeah. It's like, what other thing was this person in or involved with? Do, that do I like this before? actress and yeah. how can I put her in the scale things? So, uh, lead actor, Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name, Daniel Day-Lewis, Phantom Thread, uh, Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, Gary Oldman, Darkest Hour, or Denzel Washington. Uh, for Roman J. Israel Esquire, which is the first time this film has come up. Did you um, did you go see this? I did not. I don't want to see this. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't comment on that one. But, um, I mean, we're you're in the Fan of Thread podcast. I'm going to say Daniel Day-Lewis. It's, in theory, his last film. I think he's a wonderful actor. I think this is the best role he's had since the other Paul Thomas Anderson movie. I didn't particularly like him in Lincoln, but, I, you know, he's fabulous in this. I will say this is a really interesting category. Gary Oldman does the classic Oscar move in this one. Mm-hmm. You know, he's playing Winston Churchill. It's an off-brand performance. He really brings it, and it's a great performance. Timothy Chalamet is the new young star. He's wonderful in Call Me By Your Name. And, and Lady Bird. And in Lady Bird, he's great. And so, and he plays totally different roles in those two films, and Oscar people will have seen both those films and know that he's really playing very different characters, and in doing so, doing a really good job in, in, in those roles. So it's kind of hard to predict and at the same time and then also Star of Get Out he's really good in that yeah. I mean it, it's hard to predict but it's Daniel day Lewis's last film in theory and he's wonderful in it and so I'm giving it to him okay what about you I'm gonna give it Get Out you're giving it really yeah, yeah. why not why not okay why not do you have reasoning like what is your prediction here it's probably we didn't talk about Meryl Streep, but it'd be the same reason. Like my argument against Daniel Lewis would be the same argument against Meryl Streep, which is like they won a lot. Yeah. So we didn't talk about Meryl Streep in the post, and we've talked about the post on the podcast yeah. before. 
Meryl Streep is good in the post. Meryl Streep is good in everything. Meryl Streep is good in everything. We like Meryl Streep. She's great. We're going to... This side of the podcast, specifically the Jacob Rosenberg side of the podcast, <laughs> is anti-Steven Spielberg. And Meryl Streep's wonderfulness is ruined by the Steven Spielberg that aspects we, of we the post. We need to talk about that at some point. Okay. So, it, that that's interesting. Okay. Last category. All right, we're here. One we've all been waiting for. Best Picture. Best Picture. Call Me By Your Name. Darkest Hour. Dunkirk. Get Out. Lady Bird. Phantom Thread. The Post. The Shape of Water. And Three Billboards Outside Ebony, Missouri. Is there anything that you're, first of all, surprised is not on this list? Florida Project, probably? Yeah. I would probably have put that in. Above Darkest Hour, right? Well, if this were sports talk, you'd always be like, well, if you put someone in, who are you going to take out? Yeah. So I would probably point to... um, Actually, this is tough for my hot takes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One is, I I have now seen The Shape of Water twice. Wow. And this is a film that just does not speak to me. I, I'm not into. I'm not into it. Like I, I just don't. I haven't seen it, and so you know I'm backing away here. But I'm I don't wanna. I don't care about um, the the loving of animal things. <laughs> well, I, I mean, to me, it, it's a film that just it speaks in shorthand. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't do for me a lot of the character building that it should do to make it work, to make the relationships in the film work. There is some world building, but the characters never feel fully realized to me. Um, and, and that is it is one that it has been weird just to watch this film take off the way it has, especially among awards runners and critics. Um, Typically, it's you know it's, it's a genre film, and typically you just don't see that happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I, and I sit back and I feel like of all of the films to get this kind of attention, it's just it's kind of odd. Yeah, to me. I, I don't get it totally, and may, maybe I'm I'm speaking incorrectly here because I haven't seen it yet. But it just didn't seem to me, even in my best version of it that I've got, I can't imagine it being as good as the Flor- the Florida Project. Yeah. And so that's hard for me to. And if we're doing some, like, in and, you know, for subbing in and out, like, Darkest Hour is good, but it doesn't feel to me like it's getting nominated in, you know, they expanded how many people can get right. nominated for Best Picture. Darkest Hour is a Gary Oldman Best Actor performance. It does not feel to me like a Best Picture right. nomination film. And then um, on that list, you know, there's a lot of good movies. I'm inc- The Post didn't get in there, did it? Yes, The Post is nominated. Boo. No. The post is not that good. Like, I, I don't get it. Um, so that one definitely, I think, is just, I think that's an overreaction to the post feeling good. But the the winner, in case you're wondering, should be Phantom Threat. It's not going to be Phantom Threat. There's no way it's Phantom Threat. It's now, get out. You think Get Out's going to actually it's win? It's going to be Get Out. Okay, here's my great prediction. The people who want to vote for Get Out and Phantom uh-huh. Threat will be that'll split votes because i think those are the two and ladybird that'll split votes and then like the pestilent people who all want to vote for um ebbing will rise and three billboards is going to win you know i feel like i'm censoring myself because there i just don't want to say certain things yeah um because i was thinking about after i said get out i was like oh yeah black lives matters two it was like two years ago yeah so it's not gonna win because that's how oscar voters think i think I think that's how Oscar voters think too. That's what I'm <laughs> honestly thinking, is that Oscar voters will be like, uh, "Well, that issue is not as relevant anymore," and so you know, right? Yeah, because ultimately, it's important to remember that the Oscars, while a great excuse to talk about movies that we love, mm-hmm. it's also mainly an excuse to make Hollywood feel good about itself. Yeah, that's a good point. And if Hollywood feels wants to feel good about itself right now, is get out the movie that wins? Mm. I do not know. I don't know if that's you know potentially what they want to be talking about right now um so we'll see but you know do we have a clear favorite on this list i don't think you have a clear favorite on this list i guess you could say that right now ebbing is a favorite because it won the golden globe for best picture is that even accurate though because it's getting so much backlash this is a tough this is a tough choice there's no good bet this year on what will win yeah the shape of water might be a, a, a good bet because in the absence, here's why. They should, let's make an argument for The Shape of Water being a good bet. And the reason it could be a good bet is, like I said, a lot of these movies are gonna 
pull off right. their people. And like, for example, I think a lot of the people who like get out and are gonna be are gonna like Phantom Thread a lot and going to like um, what was the other one, Ladybird a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that's gonna break right. up some votes. I think the Post is gonna get a few votes here and there, and Darkest Hour is gonna get. But the Shape of Water will have like a good consistent plurality potentially of people that's you're right that's the strategy the strategy is that the voters who vote for the shape of water will be true believers um and the voters for some of these other films will be people who are making political calculations yeah so my my belief kind of for shape of water and three billboards is that not that they're the best and that most people think that they're the best but that from my understanding the voting isn't like you rank them and like if a lot of people put three bill or a lot of people put um one get out and two phantom thread then like that will help down the line it's only matters who you pick and so there'll be just a strong minority of people who will pick something like shape of water or three billboards right and then worst case scenarios we get the boring pick which is dunkirk oh if dunkirk wins we're done yeah we're done so let, let's make a let's get outside of the oscar okay. oscar talk and just say kind of what was our favorite movie of the year and why was it a I think this is a great year for movies. This was like a wonderful year to remember that movies are just as relevant as TV and still so worth going to. And so I'll just say that Phantom Thread really snuck up on me, and I did not expect it to love it as much as I did, and I absolutely loved it. And the reason I want to say that I think it's the best film of the year is it it's just astoundingly beautiful and prescient and very small. It's such a small movie and can really speak to people. And I think it says things that will fundamentally stay with me for a long time. And I feel the same way about Calling By Your Name. I feel the same way about Get Out. And I feel the same way about Lady Bird. These are all movies that I think will be touchstones for how we talk about things in the future. And have become touchstones about how I think about things going forward. So it's just a, it's been a great year for movies. And I, th- I think that's something we're celebrating, even if the Oscars are gross in their celebration. What was, what was your, you know, how do you feel about movies this year? How was it? Um, I, too... Yeah, no, I too fell fell in love with Phantom Thread. This is the first year that I really let film Twitter sort of shape my expectations. <laughs> so like, you simultaneously avoid spoilers, so it's just pure buzz. And so like, the buzz for Phantom Thread among film Twitter was through the roof for the last month of 2017. Um, and then for the film that I saw that I had the least expectations for, that I fell in love with was um, the Florida Project. Mm-hmm. So those two films. Um, So I think the Florida Project is interesting because it does this thing where it's there's there's this structureless within a structure. Mm -hmm. So like there's this narrative arc that happens, but there's also this freeform nature to like this portion of the film where it's just the kids running around being kids through the course of the summer. Um, I I think that overall. Th- those five films, the four I mentioned, plus the Florida Project, are all worth seeing. And if you haven't seen any other movies this year, say, sit down, try to go see those five. And um, All right, we, I think we did it. That, that was a it. long Oscar talk. Yes. We did a long Oscar talk. We're going to take a quick break, get our voices back together, and then be back with recommendations for the week and the move for the weekend. All right, we're back from our long, some would say too long, but they were wrong because... Oh, wow, I ruined by accident. Uh, but we're back to do our recommendations. Uh, we, as you know, we always do recommendations, and then Stephanie at the end tells you your one move for the weekend. I will recommend one more time, Musician Showcase, every Thursday in February. It's going to be wonderful. You should definitely come check that out. All right, um, any recommendations beyond the move that you want to highlight, Stephanie? Yeah, so I'm going to recommend that you check out an album called Harlem On My Mind, came out last year by Catherine Russell, who's performing, um, uh, you won't be able to catch her because she's <laughs> performing Thursday night at South on Main. Um, super into like kind of early blues and black vaudeville and sort of reviving some of those songs. Uh, we wrote, uh, had a pleasure of interviewing her and writing the this week's inter- arts and entertainment feature about Catherine Russell. Uh, Harlem on My Mind is sort of a, really nice introduction to some of those old innuendo songs like you've got the right key but the wrong keyhole um, some <laughs> stuff by Ethel Waters and then uh, if you sort of go down the rabbit hole with Catherine Russell you'll find that she did uh, Perry Bradford's Crazy Blues this uh, sort of 
vaudevillian piece uh, made famous by a singer, Mamie Smith, that was used on the soundtrack for HBO's Boardwalk Empire. Catherine Russell herself uh, has been a backup singer for Steely Dan and David Bowie, but um, she's a fantastic front woman and daughter of Carlene Ray, who was the rhythm guitarist for the International Sweethearts of Rhythm, the first all-female integrated big band. That's incredible. I didn't know that, uh, first of all, I didn't know the thing about, that you just said about her mom, but I also didn't know that she was a backup singer for David Bowie or Steel, and Steely yeah. Dan. and her dad was, Catherine Russell's dad was a, a band leader for Louis Armstrong for a while. All right, that's incredibly cool. Jazz royalty, for sure. So, so that's my Russell. recommendation. The album's called Harlem On My Mind. Amaya, any recommendations that you've got or any films that we should be watching? So I, Tanya is playing locally now. Mm -hmm. I would say go see that. Um, Phantom Thread is still playing. If you haven't seen it, I would, still, I would say go check that out. I mean, we were salivating think, yeah. over Phantom Thread for about an hour. So. <laughs> Although I think I think it's – I know it's at Riverdale now. So yeah. it's in less theaters than it was a week or two ago. So. Oh, yeah, and, and recommend again the – go to the AMC theater and you can watch all the best picture nominees right. for $35. Or so, um, I, I'll recommend two books. I, I just finished the idiot by Elif Batuman, which was, I don't know if I'm saying her last name correctly. It was re wonderful. Really, really funny. Um, and a great book. It took me about a hundred, 150 pages to get really into it, but then I just blazed through it in like a week. And it's really, f really, uh, it's written in a very sparse fashion, but it's very haunting you get totally absorbed in the book. I just re recommend it. Uh, and, and I'm going to make another recommendation of waiting to get into a book. I was reading 2666 by Bolaño, and I read the first section, and I was pretty disappointed. It's supposed to be this great magnum opus, and it was kind of disappointing. Then section two was incredible. It was so good. It was some of my favorite writing I've ever read, and, and it's been great since then. So those are my two book recommendations. Um, so... If that isn't enough, we've got your move for the weekend. Stephanie, what is the one thing that people in central Arkansas should do this weekend? My move for you is to find C.J. Boyd. Uh, C.J. Boyd is a, plays the upright bass, and he's a composer who works with loops. He keeps a harmonica strapped to himself and sort of creates this beautiful drone on the upright bass and then um, sings these sort of really ethereal... Uh, loops over it. People have described his music as oceanic, so make of that what you will. He describes himself as a bassist, composer, vagabond who uses low-end loops and voices in order to try and stop time. Uh, he is playing at the Squeezebox. Let's see. It's going to be... It's going to be Friday night, I believe, at Squeezebox. 6 p.m. Um, the only accordion-themed pizza joint... Uh, that I know of, <laughs> in, at least in Hot Springs. Um, that's at 236 Washita Avenue. If you don't catch him, he's playing the following night. Tomorrow, uh, I, I believe that's that's Friday and Saturday, but uh, listeners, double-check me on this. Just Google C.J. Boyd. Uh, he'll be at the Cavern this weekend with William Blackert, uh, who's, if you don't know William Blackert, utterly underappreciated uh, songwriter from the River Valley. Uh, around Russellville, used to be in some sort of punk bands and has moved mm. in the area of folk. Uh, so the Cavern uh, with William Blackert, and that guy's name is C.J. Boyd, B-O-Y-D. Wow. I'm, that sounds incredible. Big goals to stop time, though, with, with music, you know. If anybody can do it, C.J. Boyd. All right, so go see C.J. Boyd this weekend. Enjoy Oscar Mania. Go watch all these films so that we can talk about it in the future, and have a great weekend. Mm -hmm.